Uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Over 50 starting over. I'm Barry Edwards. Wait, let me turn off the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And I'm Merle Garrison. <laughs> Battling and overcoming more technical difficulties. Yes, indeed. Now we are here. And speaking of battling and overcoming, Mike Cleveland Browns. Oh, he, man. The top the story Steelers. is the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and back-to-back weeks beat the, yeah, beat that the is... arch rivals in the playoff game. Now, first, you know, last week they all made excuses how we beat their second string in the last game of the season because they were resting their uh, Roethlisberger and one or two other people. Yeah, loser and talk. I, it, it total loser talk. And I said mm-hmm. back then that uh, I thought they would uh, have a better chance with their backup quarterback than mm-hmm. Roethlisberger. And that I is still, what you said. Yeah. Yeah, I still think they would have done better with their mm-hmm. backup uh, helmet head. What's his name? Um, but but I thought Roethlisberger threw for over 500 yards. He did. There is that. But you know, a lot of those came in major catch-up time when they're playing more of a prevent defense because they had such a large lead. Oh, oh, because when I saw that, I thought, wow, how did they lose? He threw for over 500 yards, and he threw like four touchdown passes, and he, yeah, and and he lost. Four, and four interceptions. Oh, uh, well, there's so the key. untold story. But you right? know what's funny about that, which I forgot, is the last time we played in a playoff game with them was 2002. We lost. Kelly Holcomb was coming on strong as the backup to Tim Couch, if you remember way back oh, then. Oh, boy, yeah. He played in that playoff game and threw for um, like 498 yards. Really? Same and kind he, of thing, and, and we lost the game. Wow. They came from behind and really won it in the last minute and a half. Boy, Tim Couch, there's a blast from the past. What a disappointment he was. No, he was not a disappointment. He, he wasn't. was a very good quarterback, but he, they, it, behind an awful offensive line, he got beaten to a pulp. Well, he's, you can't become, be a good quarterback without a good offensive line. That's a fact. He's Learned become that. something of an adjective now. Oh, you got Tim Couched. Uh, you know, <laughs> I you, would have you, said Bernie Kosard. I mean, that's what happened to him in the yeah, end. You're right about diminishing. That too. They said he had diminishing skills, but if you don't have an offensive line, I mean, the best quarterback's going to be diminishing yeah. period. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So that is really what happened to Tim couch. He could have been, he actually was a very good quarterback with very good stats. Well, he, he had looked, a great good time down in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. He, he came up. I mean, he had the misfortune of getting on a, rebuilt team a, a yeah. new what do you call those teams when you start a new one i don't know because this was so unusual it wasn't re- e- expansion team but yeah that's e- e- but they but they weren't they weren't really an expansion yeah so weird only than the fact that we retain the name that's the right. only way in every other way it was and yeah, they changed right. the rules because prior to us there was a uh jacksonville jaguars and uh Carolina Titans, Carolina. No, that was a relocation because Carolina Panthers were two expansion teams, but the NFL gave them the farm and they're like, oh, well, we can't do that again. So they changed the rules when the Browns came in and really screwed us. Um, And that was kind of the kickoff to a 20 year debacle. Uh, So anyways, so we won. There's a lot of demons we got off our backs here. So we beat the Steelers for the second week in a row, as I mentioned, their first team handily i mean crushed them uh but also it's the first playoff win uh first playoff game the browns have had since 2002 that's a long time however it's the first playoff win since 1994 
That was Bert, uh, Vinny Testaverde, a quarterback, Bill Belichick, the, the uh, coach, head coach. And the last time we were 11 and five, which we were this year. Holy cow. So one more. 26 years it's been since a Listen Browns this victory in the playoffs. First <laughs> playoff win on the road since I think it was 1968. Wait, 68. That, that can't be right. Well, what? we used to win all these championships back then, right before that became the Super Bowl. And uh, the NFL negates to uh, include that very much in their records. Now we just talk about Super Bowls. Huh. Um, and so it's the first. Yeah, you can Google that first playoff win on the road since 68, give or take a year. I just well, remember wait, hearing yeah, that. I'm on just the radio. thinking about all those times the Browns made it like to the drive and the fumble. Were those all home game? Must wins? have been. Must have been. Because that doesn't even make sense. But OK, okay. I mean, I'll go with it. But gosh, that, that's, a, sounds that's a, quite an anomaly. Yeah, no, it sounds really weird. So now. Mm, so we got the number one seed, the Super Bowl defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday at 3 p.m. my time. Right, Eastern. right. So what's your what's your take? It's a tough one. Um, I feel the same as I did about the Steelers. First of all, to quote my buddy JT, we're playing with house money now. We've exceeded all of our expectations by far. We get to take this experience into next year, shore up the much needed defense and really be talking Super Bowl all next season. However, we still have a game to play on Sunday. So to your point, I feel the same way where, look, we're 10 point underdogs already nationally. Wow. Vegas. Okay. Odds. All right. And I think that's fair. All things considered, Random Super Bowl champ, right? Right. Oh yeah, against uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the best quarterback in the league, uh, the last two years, and um, now Kansas City does have a somewhat vulnerable defense, as does the Browns. So that being said, you could probably expect a high-scoring game. It comes down to, uh, I mean, I think our offense matches up very, very well with Kansas City's offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb. I should put Nick Chubb first. He is our number one uh, running back, one of the best in the league. He's a brute. Now, also, though, Kareem Hunt, our second, uh, close second uh, running back who runs like a man possessed, He's he got jilted by Kansas City. That's how we got him. He was in an altercation. It's a horrible altercation. He was seen on film kicking a woman that was down. I forget the circumstances. Horrible, absolutely horrible. But he was given a second chance to come here. He's from Willoughby. Uh, and so he has been a model citizen here and, um, and a very, very good player, a very good teammate. So everybody deserves a second chance. He's uh, making the most of it. He's pretty, um, he's, he's, uh, he seems like he's held in pretty high regard here. So like I said, second chances, the situation was horrible. So we got him and, and Baker Mayfield's been on fire the entire second half of the season. Two reasons for that. Number one is he's had to grow into a brand new system with a new rookie, rookie head coach and new systems and all of that. So those things have worked themselves out. Number two, this is just me talking. Well, and a lot of people talking our prima Donna receiver uh, OBJ 
uh what's his name um now i can't think of his full name <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but uh he went down with an injury uh like my buddy dan and i never liked the acquisition he's uh too much of uh, he cries for the ball if he doesn't get it enough doesn't have the chemistry with Baker Mayfield so they force feed him the ball all the time it, it killed the chemistry on offense he goes down chemistry's there again boom put mm. put Richard Higgins in and uh, all, everything's all good so that's enough of that will you be watching this Sunday you know uh, I probably will check it out I mean you know this is pretty exciting stuff it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it is were to win. Wow. I wouldn't I mean, count them out. I would not count. No, them out. no, you can't count them out. And uh, this is the year of the anomalies. So it's you a know, weird year. Who, who knows what's going to happen here? But the fact that they have an opportunity, I mean, you know, I still have I still have Cleveland blood on the inside of me. So yeah. I got to <laughs> yeah. honor that. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. I think it's really exciting out here and it puts a spring in everyone's step if it weren't for COVID and we were out socializing amongst each other more, it would be so much more exciting because the city just the energy comes to life. You know, you could mm -hmm. walk down East Fourth or something and it'll be like you'll get tingles from the energy going on. I love that. That's a, what a great yeah. thing for Cleveland. I'm happy for for you. I'm happy for the city, especially. I'm always for my hometown. So yeah. good luck. All right. That's really uh, cool. Really cool to see. Moving along because we got a lot to talk about today. Well, there is a lot to talk Hold about. On. I mean, it's almost overwhelming how much there is to talk about. I know. And with the uh, upfront career self-improvement self section, I promised that I was going to take a deeper dive into Chris Voss, the negotiating expert who has a book out. It's been out for a couple of years now called Never Split the Difference. It's a great book. Now, he's former FBI top negotiator for uh, terrorist activity and kidnapping situations. He has got some stories. Now, you're going to love this. You know how he got that? He, he pursued the position of being a negotiator, which is a, a, a highly sought after position. And when he went to the powers that be, uh, this main woman, I forget her name, but the, I remember the story. And I just listened to that this morning during my workout. But uh, she said, look, man, you got no credentials for this other, other than being on a SWAT team and all that, but you have no negotiating credentials whatsoever or educational background. She goes, and it's a highly sought after position. I'll tell you what I tell everybody. Go do a stint, a volunteer stint on a suicide hotline for a while, then call me back. So he does. He joins Norman Vincent Peale's suicide oh, hotline. you're kidding me. No kidding. And Boy, we, we talked about that, him a lot on the show, haven't we? My ears pricked up. I'm like, you got to <laughs> be kidding me. That's, and that's amazing. What he said. He's the author of The Positive Factor. Is that what it is? The Power yeah, of Positive Thinking. The Power of Positive Thinking. That's it was right. a fantastic book that you turned me on to. I listened a year to ago. That, that was a year ago. I listened yeah. to it twice. And, yeah, yeah uh, me too. Really like it. And I read it too. Yeah. So he comes back after doing this stint, talking down suicide victims for quite some time. And uh, the lady's like, oh, my God. She goes out of about a thousand people I told to do that. Only two people have done it. You're one of them. <laughs> and so he got this position, which he worked his way up to being their top negotiator. And I wanted to just talk about a couple of the concepts there. I want I want to talk about more of it. I think negotiating skills are 
one of the most important things that we can talk about here when we're talking about our careers. We are talking about our careers here. And all of the same skills apply. So whether you're uh, talking uh, down a kidnapping uh, terror or terrorist, that you're using the same skills. And one of the first things he says is the, the power of the word no. No is one of the first words that we learn as babies, uh, as children. Yeah. It's a, so it's a powerful word. And what it means is, first of all, it's our place of safety. So when you're neg negotiating a sales deal uh, with your potential client, your prospect, the word no to them means a place of safety. They say no, and it's like, Phew, because to say yes, they, the fear is, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Right. So you say no, and you've you opened up your to. vulnerability. Right. Absolutely. So and then when you hear no. OK, first of all, let them know that that option to say no is always on the table. That that loosens them up a little bit, makes them breathe a little bit easier. It's always OK to say no. Now, what you're looking for at that time is to get a that's right from them. You just need to show them that you understand their position to the point when you finally hear that's right. Then now you've we, we talk about it as opening up the trap door. Mm -hmm. Now you've opened up. So what you've done there is proven empathy, because what people want more than anything in the world is they want to know that they've been heard and that they've been understood. So as right. we're negotiating, we both have cards, cards in our hand that we don't, they haven't seen and we haven't seen theirs. That there are things that we don't know about them and their position, whether their job is on the line right now is being threatened. And maybe what you're bringing to the table uh, could be make or break in their situation. We have no idea. We have things, cards that we're holding in our hand that they don't know. Maybe that we have uh, some deficiencies in our services that we are offering that we don't want them to know about, but maybe we overcompensate with some of our other services, but there are things that we don't know about each other. So when you uh, ask them certain things that are, you know, even if it's, is this a bad time to talk? It's something that opens up, opens up dialogue. So he used an example literally of talking to some kidnappers and that, uh, they were they were asking for a ten million dollar ransom, but he continued to ask them what they were feeling, what they needed, what what they wanted, what how they felt that they were being neglected to the point where he negated the entire ten million dollars. He actually got the response. That's right. Hmm. When he finally found how they weren't being heard and how they were being misunderstood. And so that's the point that he makes is when we're negotiating with a prospect trying to turn them into a client is that you want to be able to hear what their resistance is that your that your competitors have not heard. So that's that's uh, once you get to a that's right, then you can open up the, the gates to talking about other things to back it up just a little bit. Here's another point that I wanted to make that we could really talk about a bit. I think that you're going to like this one. And that is curiosity. 
If you can stay in a place of curiosity, this backs up what I just talked about, about the word no, and, and getting, put, getting past their defenses. If you can stay in a place of curiosity, then you will not get emotional and defensive, which is a killer for your stance, mm-hmm. right? People yeah. can say some things that are pretty brash and pretty harsh that'll get your defenses up and, uh, and put a wall between you two. Yet, if you stay in a state of constant curiosity, and Merle, you know that this can apply in our day-to-day lives outside of work as well. When we're talking to our friends or acquaintances. This applies to everything in life. That's my I mean, it is, there's nothing this doesn't apply to. You negotiate exactly. when, you, when you go to McDonald's. I mean, you, you, you non-verbally negotiate. You're coming to get in line, and there's a person that's coming from the opposite direction at the exact same time. You're negotiating with that person, even non-verbally, who's going to get in line first. Everything you do is a negotiation almost. Now, think about your example right there. And if that, and if that tweaks you and gets you defensive right away, you're going to have a bad situation. That's right. However, if you're in a state of curiosity, you know what this makes me, uh, it reminds me of, it reminded me of it as he was talking about it. I told you this before, several years ago, about five years ago, there was locally a lady that was running for city council or or mayor. I think it was mayor of Uh um, Cleveland Heights. And the, and she was Republican. She was Mm -hmm. conservative. And as I say, I call yeah. this little San Francisco here. I understand, right? And right. they, and so we just got next door, and everybody was just incensed on next door. <laughs> I All can only they imagine were, they were trying to tar and feather her. They went on a witch hunt, trying to dig up stuff from her past, and they found an article that she wrote years ago, several years ago, like a lot of years ago. It was titled, I remember, it was titled "Muslims Our Enemy." And so they painted her as a racist. They were just incensed and, and it was horrible. And I, I, my reply was simple. I said, because they said, what do you think of this racist, racist, racist? That's all you heard. And I said, I don't know. I think she has interesting concepts about what to do for us economically. As far as her article goes, I would like to ask her what her motivation is behind it. What does she mean? A sense of curiosity. I wasn't angered by it at all. There's a good reason for somebody to say Muslims are enemy when you're thinking about coming off the heels of 9-11. Right, right. There's something there. On the other hand, I can go down to my local convenience store and the Muslims that run that place are the sweetest people I've ever met. They truly are. Yeah. And there are plenty of them. That's right. And so anyways, it's about seeing both sides. It's about staying open minded. Well, you know, we live in an era right now where we're talking to our, our, the biggest threat to us right now is our relationships in America and negotiating is a big deal. The thing you said about curiosity. That's my point. uh, Curiosity. And and, and empathy. um, Hand in hand. Being able to hear somebody. That's the problem right now. People are not hearing other people and they're not. And when I say hearing, I'm not just talking about hearing the words that they're saying. I'm talking about hearing their hearts and, and, and people aren't, people aren't giving people the courtesy to allow them to express their hearts and, and allow that to sink in and say, wait a second, 
I, I could see myself in that person's shoes. And if, if we could, if people could just start to develop that skill, I think that uh, we'd be a lot happier over here. Merle, um, you don't, I, I want to emphasize once again, the importance of what you just said. And this is my point. And it can segue into everything that we're going to talk about and the very main issues at the heart of America. Yes. And it, as I said a few minutes ago, the most important thing for all of us to every individual is to feel heard and understood. Boy. And that cannot happen if you don't stay in a state of curiosity. The other, which if you're not in a state of curiosity, then you're going to get in a state of defensiveness. That's right. That's now right. You're both, and that's what's happening. And you're both not feeling, you're both feeling hurt. You're both not feeling heard and understood. Boy, this reminds me of a sales situation I was in uh, nice. this this past week, and um, we're we're dealing with a, a VA hospital right now, which I'm so honored that I get to deal with the nice. VA and help them out and everything. It's very exciting for me. Anyway, I, I love America. I'm getting all giddy. All right. <laughs> 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 so what happened was they they had a, a technical requirement called it, it doesn't matter what it's called uh but we can't do it the technical requirement and i have an engineer that was on the call and and he and after the call he told me we can't do that that's not something we can do and so um he and i he's a, gr a great guy by the way very smart and i was talking to him and i was saying to him hey listen we're at the beginning stages of our sales cycle and the word no is something I feel like I'm allergic to right now, especially as we take a look at where we are in the sales cycle. Right now, in a complex sale at the beginning, everyone's empowered to, almost everyone that we're talking to is empowered to say no and really cut, the, cut off the whole deal and move on. And so they're, they're, they're looking for no's. They're looking for no's to disqualify us. Yes. So every, every one of our competitors is going to come in. Oh, no, we can't do that. Either yes or no. I don't want to do that. Instead, what I want to do is ask the question, why is that important to you? And because we're, we're you nice. know, we're dealing, we're dealing with hospitals. Okay. Um, they're doctors in there. Let's act like we're the physicians now. If, if I came to a doctor and said, I have a headache, give me an aspirin. They would say, well, how many, how long have you had these headaches? And you know, when, when do they come? And they're, they're not looking to cure the headache. They're looking to cure whatever root cause of the headache is making that happen. It's the root cause that we want to, we want to go after here. So not the symptom. The yeah. We're not going after the cause. symptom. It's the cause. Right. And so he's saying this because there's a symptom that he's experiencing, asking him why it's important to him hones in on the root of the problem. We're looking to be able to solve the root of problems. If we solve the, the symptom, we could cause a whole bunch of other problems to happen. So, uh, so that was the approach. And we went into the meeting. The guy brought up the subject that we can't do. Uh, my, my sales engineer says, well, the answer is not no. <laughs> that's, that's what he said, and everybody laughed. It was perfect. It just opened that trap door wide open. And the guy says, and he says, why don't you tell me why that's important to you? And the guy explains it. Well, I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that. Bingo, we had an answer. He says, well, this is how we do it, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, perfect, and we moved right along. It was mm -hmm. it's just a perfect way of, 
of we found out what his needs were we found out what was important to him it established a deeper relationship we we're able to hone in on the on what the actual problem what the problem is behind the problem that's what's so important here you know in order what? to understand people yeah and you know what you did right there it's something i have an example too and then you'll see the similarities is you just became a partner with them rather than uh potentially hired a hired gun right and so i mentioned before i had this prospect that uh kept seeing my solutions as being a web designer and mm -hmm. they had this old archaic site that they kept wanting me to update and they're getting all snippy with me on the emails about updating this and it and it's a very low-end relationship where i'm a commodity that is producing a um uh, a deficit for them and something that is always going to cost them money and not gain. That's not what I do. I come in and I create lead generation solutions. I get them business. And like, I couldn't make that shift with them. They're still too like 2004 oriented mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. 2021. Mm -hmm. And I, so I could, they, they will just need another five years of growing in this regard for sure. I get a lot of people like that are at different stages in a growth process. But my point is, is when I could get somebody to realize, Hey, I don't care who builds your site, but I'm going to come in and make sure it's done structurally sound so we don't get penalized. And then I need to put the marketing uh, and the content behind it that makes it a lead generation system because I'm going to get you into the black in no time at all. And then I'm going to get you more clients and profitable thereafter. Now I am a partner with them and we are working together to move forward. So, right. yeah, now I'm at the root. I'm not at the top here plugging exactly. a Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Position. Right. So it's about uh, it's about reaching empathy and about hearing what the real underlying problems are, because eventually you're going to get at the root of several different things. They probably don't know that they're a little defensive that they don't know what the true answers are. But if you ask the right questions and stay curious, then you could go, oh, I understand because you you may have the answers for them. I really believe that in this political situation that this country is in right now, that this is key. And, you know, um, we seem to, we're all plugging into whatever our favorite news sources are. And I got to tell you, I really think that we're all getting brainwashed by doing that, you know, whatever, if it's a conservative or, or liberal or Agreed. left or whatever, you know, we, 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 it's like we're drinking this when we're watching it. And then we go out into the world and somebody says something different. And now we've got a trigger. It's like a knee jerk reaction. And you're now, ticked. We're, not, now we're not curious. You're anymore. not being curious. Exactly. We're defensive. And, and, and so this is exactly Barry. This is exactly my philosophy is this now is, um, you know, I think that in America that we have way more in common than we than we have that's not in common agree and i think that when people bring up these i guess flashpoint discussions i would say you know where it just causes people to just get triggered rather than allow your emotions to run away with you why not ask the question you know you're saying that and i'm i'm i might i tend to disagree with this but you know what maybe i'm i i could be wrong about this can you just tell me like tell me the background on why you feel this way and and what what's causing you to feel this way because maybe i'm just misunderstanding 
And, you know, when you humble yourself like that and just allow people to talk and then you really genuinely are listening to their yeah. heart, not the not the um, waiting what do you call it the to talk again the talking points that you hear on the news and all that kind of stuff yeah. you just listen to their heart not necessarily just the words that they're saying yeah. but their heart and i think what we'll find is that they're saying the same thing that we're saying they're just coming about a solution the different way it's almost like the Agreed. symptom and the root i think the roots are pretty much the same in every american and then we in in the problem is we've lost the skill to get down to the root we've lost the skill to empathize and 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 and, and barry in order to really empathize with somebody, doesn't it actually take the agape form of love, the self-sacrificing form of love to really empathize with somebody, you know, to put yourself in somebody, somebody else's shoes? Yeah, it takes humility. You need to shut your own trap for a few minutes and maybe eat a little is what, uh, is what it feels like sometimes is somebody's unloading and making you feel inferior because now you're in this like power struggle. You're giving this person a chance to feel superior over you. You're sitting there just listening and you're feeling inferior because they're saying their gig to you and you're not getting your chance to say your gig. But this is what you're saying is by just yielding for a little bit, you can find common ground. But don't you think that that's it? Is people just feel like they're yielding, that they are feeling uh, inferior? They're taking it on the chin. That's kind of the problem. When they yield, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, this is that's the hardest part. This is this is the self-sacrificing kind of love that I'm talking about. It's like you're going to yield and let somebody else share their, and you might have raging thoughts you're, on the inside of you. You're giving them a stage for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're giving them courtesy. You're, sh you're yes. actually, and, and yeah, the whole key is you have to listen to what they say when you give, the, when you give the them most, the floor. The most important conversational skill that there is, is active listening, active yes. listening. That doesn't mean hearing it and faking it. It means F ask a follow-up question. Well, Barry, you're a great example of an active listener. Oh, um, we we have these discussions, and many times we uh, we disagree, right? Yeah. Uh, and and but you are always in a position. This is why the show works out so well because you're always in a position of well, help me understand where you're coming from on that, and then you're very quick to find common ground in that in in those discussions and it just makes for a i can't wait till the next time we have a discussion about this i appreciate what you're saying and i mentioned i think it might have even been last week that by doing that you've changed my mind before i have had a stance on something and let's face it folks we don't know everything we're not fully I educated don't. on every no. damn thing right so right I, and I've said this before, even if it's somebody that you are at the very basic of your principles, that you are polar opposites, you're a conservative versus a leftist, you can, if you stay curious and keep the conversation open, you can find 10 to 20 percent of some gems in there that you will agree on. That's oh, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, I've had the same thing. I mean, I'm thinking about uh some of the conversations we've had with Seth Rogen stuff about uh, aliens and, and Joe uh, Rogan. Oh, <laughs> Seth Rogen. You know, he's been in the news lately. Has They're he? brothers, right? No, it was, has I'm only kidding. No, oh, okay. no, I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, Seth Rogen has been in the news. They've been, uh, he's been battling conservatives out there. Boy, he's really? got a, he's just not showing any empathy out there. Boy, he's, uh, I got to look that up. 
Ah, it's, it's, it's there's so much nasty. I mean, everything you're talking about, there's so much bitterness yeah. between people right now where it's just like, I just want to, you know, the, the, it's just like the hatred. Why so much hatred? It, we, we're you, allowed to have different opinions. Why all the hate? You know, it, it's the battle. It's dude. It's because it's the battle for free speech right now. And it's the manipulation of the media. And this is where we're going here. Because with Google shutting down Parler, uh, you know, and Parler was only getting started, in my opinion. Now, uh, and I <laughs> just noticed this morning that there's a shaming factor to it. I noticed this morning on the news that someone said it, on, it was on NPR. It was just as I was getting on my, out of my car to go in to work out. They said, and this person was on Parler. As oh if, no! Yeah, that was. Oh, now we need to divulge who was on Parlor. Well, I just signed up for Parlor a few. Us, I signed us up for Parlor a few weeks ago, because of the anti-free speech that was going on right. with Twitter. Right. And I didn't like Parlor at all. I'd go on there about once every other day to check it out. Could not. I could not see myself having a conversation on there because I'm very middle of the road, and it was very right oriented it is very like in your face because these people have had nowhere else to express themselves <laughs> my right. my hope was given time and giving uh the water to find its common level that it would become a more moderate some just a little bit more moderate place to have a conversation uh and maybe it you know twitter things like twitter and facebook they're feeling incredibly threatened right now they're getting threatened uh with the government uh, is it Article 230? Yeah, yeah, Section 230 of the Communications yes. Act, right. So they're feeling that. Now they're feeling the heat from things like Parler coming on. Rumble is probably putting a little bit of heat on YouTube right now. It's free speech competitor. As these people are really putting the screws to, th uh, to free speech. So to your point, I think that is what's going on right now. That's why everything's coming to a head. We can't feel heard and empathized with if we can't be heard at all yeah, yeah exactly you know? uh you know the the answer to uh having two different sides of an argument is not to eliminate one side of the argument and pretend that it doesn't exist or act like uh whatever ideas come out of uh, somebody that has a different idea than you uh, is somehow evil that uh that's not how america works uh the free speech is a very uh integral part of the american way of life in very fact it's at the very center of american life and we have to remember you know how this all came about and why uh, freedom of speech is so important and, and the first thing about freedom of speech is this is that <clears throat> if you control how people speak then you control how they think that that's really the the very important thing about freedom of speech. So there, uh, that's it, one degree of it. I got another one, but go ahead. Okay. So so the the whole fact is is that at the center of liberty is that you have your own mind, and that you can make up your own mind about things, and that the truth has a ring to it. And so, the 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 whole thing about America is that we are adults. We're adults here that are. The, the rule of, of law is that we're in a country that is controlled by the consent of the governed, not by the, the governed, the government 
isn't in control of the people. The people are in control of the government. So they have to have freedom of thought so that they can, they can see all things and put it into their own funnel and come up with the answer. And, and the answer is usually lying in the body and the body of people, I mean, so that I have certain skills, you have certain skills. When we come together, it forms sort of a mastermind. We've, we put your skills and my skills together. And the, 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 when you add those two together, it comes up to more than the sum of the parts. Mm. That's really what America is. But if you shut that part down, that's the creative engine of America here. That, that's what's caused, I mean, just one example here in America, and we've talked about this here in America, you know, the average uh, lifespan was about 40 years when we first uh, became a country. And because of this concept of free speech and being able to share things and, and not demonizing um, technology uh, or advancements, medicines like hydroxychloroquine or things like that um we've been able to open up and actually expand our 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 mechanisms here where now the the average lifespan is around 80. i mean mm -hmm. twice as much as it was mm -hmm. before we, this is this is where the rubber hits the road but go ahead i'm curious what you your thoughts are oh boy yeah i've been thinking a lot about this now i think first of all that bear with me here. I think that what we're doing right now, I've mentioned before, is we are putting together our virtual brain. And you can take that social media is that that eventually, that will be our collective, it will be the Borg. Okay, it will be yikes. A, I just say yikes to that. That is horrifying. Yeah, it well, it will be a whole collection of all of us, all of our different thoughts, all of our different personalities. So if you have an individual, I've mentioned this before, and you have uh, some uh, thoughts and negative feelings that are really bothering you, and you continue to push them down, push them down. I don't like thinking about that kind of stuff. That's a horrible memory. You push it out, push it out. It becomes, it's like having a party, you invite all the good stuff. I like happy berry. I like um, positive berry. I like uh, empathetic berry, but I don't like uh, unhappy guy, this one and this one. So you're not invited to a party. Well, those guys start ba banging on the door really freaking hard. Okay. Those are what it's saying. What that is, this is basic psychological talk is that when you deny yourself uh, certain feelings, past memories and all that, the cure to that is to actually invite those emotions and memories and deal with them in a controlled manner in a healthy manner. And then you, they will lose power over you. Okay, you start to integrate that back into your personality. And that's how you heal. Well, this is what's going on right now. So when we're on social media, and everybody is uh, building their bubble, like you just can't stand listening to that person anymore, even though he's been your friend for 20 years. And so you unfriend them, or unfollow them or whatever the terminology may be. And the other person is doing that. And all these different factions are doing that. You're building your own bubbles. That's fine. You're building what is okay for your personality. Right. But do not, do not uh, inhibit the speech of certain factions because you don't like what they're saying and force them to go underground. Yeah. If, if your gig 
I'm speaking in your language, leftists. If your gig is about white supremacy, which you throw around with reckless abandon, but let's say white supremacy, do not force them underground where you don't know what they're saying, doing, and thinking, and where they're at. You want them, you may unfollow them, but if you want, you can go look them up and find out what they're talking about. <laughs> well, you know, you're, Follow you're me. Up, yeah, you're bringing up such a great point. I mean, you know, this I'm is not like... done. Let's make the full analogy real here. So okay. like I said about the individual personality, now we have the collective and that is all of social media. That is all the internet, which will be the Borg one day. Uh, let it all out there. Keep free speech. You want to know where those people on the most extreme ends are you don't want to follow them on a daily basis because you feel that they're a negative influence to you so you want to follow them fine but you can always look them up and keep tabs on them and find out what they're doing at any given time just like those aspects of your personality you got to know how to deal with negative emotions negative people things that you don't like as much as you know how to deal with all the things that you do like well, and I think the fact of the matter is, is that if you uh, actually do what you talked about to begin with, which is what uh, the the whole empathy piece and, and, and being saying curiosity. curiosity, right, and trying to really understand why yes. they're saying that that's really, really what the problem is. And then you get to that point, you might change your mind on how you feel. And you might realize that maybe I was wrong about something. And and together, because now that door is still open, you're, you're able to find a better way. And, and that's really, you. I, I think we're saying the same thing. Freedom of speech allows people to, with different ways of thinking, different cultures, it allows people to actually link up, lock arms and achieve the, the goals that they wouldn't have if they were just individuals. And Man. that's why America has been so powerful of a country and has been a beacon to the rest of the world up until now. But I do see where that is being completely threatened and that's concerning to me. Well, let's think about the hypocrisy here. If you love diversity so much and all the different races and all the different <laughs> cultures, then you're listening to a lot of, then you're apparently open to every different viewpoint, right? That doesn't well, agree yes, with that's, that's what you would think. You would think. So uh, this open mind means open communication, means freedom of speech, it means tolerance, it means understanding, it means empathy, it means all the things that are good. I'm just telling you, when you want to build a bubble of your own little team that you are going to not be able to deal with the world, you need to know how to deal with things that you don't agree with, or things that you might even hate. And it's a shame that you actually hate things or yeah, people right. and opinions. Yes. Stay in a place of curiosity. Understand why they are coming from that. Doesn't mean you got to agree with them. Just understand why they're coming from that perspective. And totally. your life, you will, you will build so much more love in your heart and your day will be so much happier. It's something that I strive for. It's my own inner battle that I try to, uh, Oh, stay more on the positive side of things and less on the negative. And this is how it's done. It's empathizing with other people. And well, and I think I, I agree. And I think what we're seeing right now, Barry, especially with the news of, of the day, I mean, we, the, the, the America has completely changed since our last show. 
I mean, we, we're it? living we're living in a different country than we did just a week ago. Yeah, and I want you. I want to ask you about that uh, because you sent me. Uh, I got it this morning. The video of the of inside the so-called riot uh, yes. on Capitol Hill. Yeah, so was somebody filming it, and it yeah. was a forty-minute video of the entire thing. And yes, I did skip. I watched it in about twenty minutes. I saw I the would, whole thing, okay. including the shooting of that lady at towards the end, Ugh. which was horrific. It was it was terrible. I want it's to terrible. ask you, what was your point in sending that to me? What did you expect me to glean from it? And what are your feelings on the whole thing? I'm glad that you had a chance to check it out, Barry, because and I didn't say anything about it on purpose because I wanted to be able to discuss this. But um, I, I I saw the video yesterday and uh, it, it's it's uh, I think the interesting part about this is the video was from a person. His name is John Sullivan, and he has um, uh, he's a guy that is a um, a leftist uh, person who runs a group called the Insurgents uh, Insurgents Group. I think that's the name of it. Uh, anyway, he, he was he's on record just a few weeks ago being down in Washington and saying, uh, we got to burn this place down and we got to yeah. rip this President Trump out of here. You heard it on and, the video. Uh, revolution, uh, power to the people is what he was saying. So uh, he's, he's completely lined up with Black Lives Matter and also Antifa. So the interesting part about the video that we saw was that it was all his video. And the more interesting part of the video was what he was saying in the video. If you could hear him throughout the video, uh, you could hear what he was saying and what he was doing. And that part was uh, amazing to me because what you heard him doing was he was congrat he was telling he was he was one of the group. Uh, he was saying to everybody that, you know, we did this, we did this. He was saying terrible things about, uh, uh, you know, the country and encouraging people to uh, go into the building, negotiating with police officer, pretending that he was some kind of a reporter. Uh, he was able to negotiate uh, crowds of people past the police. He was encouraging people to come in. He was encouraging people to burn the place down and everything. It was quite a thing actually but then the other part was just um seeing throughout that video the all the other people and how they were acting and how unusual it was uh that i think that was the most stunning part to me i, I actually as i watched the video i became very emotional uh well, it, it just to see that happen to me ask uh, my 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 capital was it was it was moving. Go ahead. Barry. Yeah, which uh, bothered me a hell of a lot, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I mean, that's our money at work and our all of our work of years of work uh, is represented in the Capitol building. Uh, so that bothered me. I, I got the sense the guy's a wolf in sheep's clothing uh, being from more of a leftist media and he's uh, riding through a herd of people carrying Trump flags and all that. You just said the way people conducted themselves was very unusual. What do you mean? It was that? unusual. So um, we've seen we've seen a lot of rioting and stuff like that, which is not unusual. But what was very unusual to me was to see the, the people 
uh, in the group. I, I actually have a picture. I don't know if I can share it on the screen right now. No, nope, oh, you, wait, you, you uh, disallowed I can, that. I didn't disallow it. You didn't tell me. Okay, it's allowed. Okay. <laughs> I'm very uh, stingy about that. <laughs> uh let's see if i can just share my screen. i gotta remember to activate that at the beginning of the show yeah no no problem but um here here's a picture that i i put in uh to the show notes here today because i just found this here it is right here i found this to be extremely interesting let's take a look at these people that are in here look at these helmets mm -hmm. Everyone, everyone's wearing a helmet um okay uh, I've, I've seen a bunch of Trump rallies, but I've never seen people wearing helmets and goggles and, and, and paramilitary. Uh, All gear. right. So I remember thinking... they they left the they left the the rally and they came straight here. Oh, the interesting thing about John Sullivan is he had a rally at the same time called uh, Get the Fascists Out. My point is this. As I take a look at the color of this guy up here, spray mm -hmm. painting stuff, yeah. I've never seen conservatives doing anything like this, by the way. Not that I'm saying that conservatives weren't part of this group. Like, look at this guy here. It looks like he might be. I don't know. Um, I don't see uh, Trump rallies where people are wearing masks, by the way. that's That's been one of the things that I've been noticing about Trump rallies that I got to say. I'm a little bit disturbed when I see it, mostly because <clears throat> out here in California, you can't do anything without wearing a mask. You can't be in a crowd of people and not wear a mask. And I'm like, what? Why are these people allowed to get away with it? And I'm not allowed. But that they they don't wear masks. These people that I see in these crowds and in that video, a lot of them are completely covered up. That's not something I normally see, although I've seen that all summer long. Look what this guy's wearing, the black outfits and everything that I'm seeing and everything. So now, I think at the end of the day, here's my you point. think it's all Antifa. No, I don't. That's let me make my point. But the point is, is that we there's been no investigation. And yet it's as if Trump supporters are terrorists. I mean, that's what's happened. They've shut down all of society for people that support the message that Trump had. It's become evil. Everything about it. We have to shut them out of the media. We have to, if that was the knee jerk reaction, shut them out of the media. They can't exist. Shut down parlor. They can't exist. Shut down, uh, censor all of this stuff here. Fire the people that we see in some of these videos that's happening too. Yeah, um, wow. you know, so I think at the end of the day, what we're going to find is inside of this crowd are people that are represented from all sides of American life. And I really believe that we as a people need to resist judgment on this until we get Agreed. the facts. Agreed. We're living in a place now where you're guilty before proven innocent. That is a, 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 a very central idea to the American way of life. But we've changed that. Suddenly, President Trump, uh, is, uh, he's been impeached. Uh, he's he's uh, uh, he's also looking let's at, talk about that now. He, he's also looking at uh, and we're looking at anybody that supported President Trump possibly also being impeached or censored or shut out of society somehow. We've got people that supported Trump that have been uh, had their degrees taken away from Harvard and, and things like that. This is uh, the um, we're not killing these people, but as far as society is concerned, they're as if they're dead to us. Go right. ahead, Barry. 
Uh, right, you probably want to stop the share. Um, I wanted to talk about the impeachment. Well, there's a lot there. Um, you're absolutely right. As far as the media grabs onto this story and immediately paints the broad brush of uh, far-right extremists and all of that, and everybody just takes it hook, line, and sinker, runs with it, and fuels their hate. This is the problem, is that the hate has gotten very addictive. It's, and it's a horrible way to live. It, it's, a, it's a very uh, debilitating emotion. It causes depression. Uh, we got COVID already ravaging us for the last year, which has caused isolation and depression. Suicides are on the rise. And this anti-free speech movement, this is all what we're talking about here today. This whole anti-free speech movement is about dividing people, picking your side, and throwing hate at the other side. And as to your point, Merle, you're going to find, if you open your mind, get curious, get curious about what actually happened with this riot last week, you're going to find factions from damn near every corner of uh, the political spectrum in there participating for their own reasons. And not only that, Barry, you're going to find uh, that, you know, there were reasons why there that the people were there in the first place uh, and and everybody had their own reasons. And I don't know everything about this John Sullivan guy. Uh, I, I went to his website. He says he's not uh, affiliated with Antifa yet on his website. There's a big Antifa logo there. <laughs> so it's just kind of yeah. funny. But I mean, even a guy like that, I could find common ground, I'm sure, with a person like that. Uh, he's he's he doesn't want uh, oppression. Uh, you know, uh, who wants oppression? I don't want right. oppression. So right. this is this is uh, there's there's ways that we can find in common. But, you know, if you take a look at for instance, what President Trump was doing, not popular. Nobody thinks it was a, a great idea. Uh, however, looking at the Constitution, they're trying to say he's trying to sub subvert uh, America and he's trying to overthrow our democracy. Everything he was doing was in the Constitution. There, there wasn't one thing that he was doing that was not in the Constitution that was available to him. The, fa the very fact is, is the man that many people felt that there was fraud in the election. And whether you believe it or not, there was evidence. What's the definition of evidence? It, well, take, take a look at the 500 affidavits. Um, that's, that's literally what evidence is. Is it proof? Not necessarily. You have to have an investigation. Has there been an investigation? No, there, there hasn't. Uh, people are saying, oh, well, it's baseless. Um, hold on a second. Um, that's an interesting word that it's baseless. Anytime I've had a conversation with somebody that doesn't believe in what President Trump is doing, they say uh, these were baseless allegations. But the funny thing is, haven't you heard that in mainstream media like seven billion times? Baseless allegations, baseless oh, yeah. allegations. You say it enough time everybody's going to start, oh, it's baseless. Well, what does that mean? Because if you have a bunch of evidence, 500 affidavits, we have videos, we have people saying all this stuff, then it's not actually baseless. So if you're saying that, you're a parrot. You're just saying what the, these people, you're saying the words these people want you to say. The fact of the matter is, is both sides of the aisle over the last four years have claimed election fraud. Wouldn't 
that be a place where we could come together and say, hey, if there's election fraud happening, doesn't that hurt all of us? Doesn't that hurt our kids? Doesn't that hurt our kids' kids? If there's election fraud, shouldn't we all be interested in making sure that that doesn't happen? How come that's not on the floor right now? You know what is on the floor right now is a resolution to uh, cause DC to become a state. There's another resolution that came out to eliminate the electoral college. You know, these are they're they're not wasting any time. Uh, They're they're trying to solidify a one party rule that should be concerning. I mean, look, if the Republicans came in uh, four years ago and they said, let's shut down all of the communications from MSNBC and CNN and all these people that are enemies of Trump. Guess what? I'd be vehemently against that because that would give Trump the power of the king, which he never had. And they kept accusing him of that because right. if he what if he did have the power of the king, that would have been the first thing that he would have done. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting, when Joe Biden comes in, he takes on the, the administration before they even get in the seat. They're taking on the power of the king. I, well, um, if you are doing things uh, that are without any kind of debate and you're just going to slam it in there against the will of half the people in the country, uh, you know, um, causing causing D.C. to become a state. Let's just let's just look at that. You cause D.C. to become a state. You get two more um, senators who are going to be Democrats because D.C. is the most left-leaning area in the world uh, that is guaranteed. You're always going to get two more Democrat votes and you're going to get a number of of votes in the House for that. Um, What you're trying to do is you're trying to push through laws that'll tip the scales so that no matter what the opinion is um, on that party, um, there's going to be no opposition. That sets up a one-party system so that you're basically a king. You can do whatever you want. You can't have that here in America. That's what the whole revolution was fought over. Well, all right. Sounds to me, obviously, that that's exactly what they were accusing Trump of. However, we uh, are going to have to uh, start to wind up a little bit. Because, well, let me let me just go through a couple things here very right, quickly because I want to ask you go ahead and do that. But I want to ask you talk just a little bit about the impeachment. And that's where I'm going right now. Oh, so okay. impeachment. Let's talk about the Constitution very quickly. In Article one of the Constitution, we have uh, the the impeachment can happen. It always happens in the House. We saw that this week. That is the House's responsibility. It only takes a majority vote in order to impeach a president. That always happens in the House. Now, an impeachment is not a conviction. It goes over to the Senate at that point for the actual trial. So if you really look at this, it's almost like a a grand jury indicted him, but that doesn't, getting indicted, you've always said you can indict a a cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. Um, You haven't had the trial. The real trial is right here. Now, the Senate has that responsibility, says the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments when sitting for that purpose. They shall be on oath or affirmation when the president of the United States has tried, the chief justice shall preside. We've already seen this, right? But in the Senate, no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two thirds of the members present. So it's a two thirds, it's not a majority. So it's a much higher standard Mm -hmm. in order to get that. 
Um, interestingly, the Senate is now divided 50-50 with the deciding vote being with Kamala Harris as the as 51 of the vice president. This means that you're going to need at least another 13 Republicans in order to uh, have a chance at impeaching this president. When we take a look at the House and what happened in the House, we had uh, you had 10 Republicans vote against uh, Trump for impeachment. Now, there's about 200, a little over 200 Republicans in the House. So 10 represents about 5% of them, right? When you take a look at the, the Senate, you're going to need another 13 people uh, out of that's a, a little over 20% uh, of the Republicans that are in the Senate. So if you only got 5% in the House, do you expect to get 20% in the Senate? That's one thing to take a look at. Here's another thing in the Constitution. It says that um, the, um, let's see here, uh, judgment in the cases shall not extend further than the removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party shall convict uh, the party, uh, I'm sorry, but the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. So in other words, they can, uh, they can convict him. If they convict him, uh, they can also take it a step further and make it so that he can never run for a public office again. I think they that's can't the put him in jail. They can't put him in jail. But it, it, once he leaves office, he can be tried in a court of law and he can be convicted as a as a normal citizen. Go ahead, Barry. I think I think the whole end game is just so that he can't run again in 2024. I, I totally agree. This is not uh, this isn't a. Uh, a situation where they're just trying to get him out of office because because he's only got uh, a couple more days left, I right? Know. It's ridiculous. So that was kind of my my big question. Isn't that everyone's big question is why bother? Well, I mean, to me, it's just uh, simply because they want to prevent him from running next time. Yeah. Yeah, that that's exactly right. But I think there's a little bit more to this, too. And that is that it's um, any Trump supporter. They they want to he, they want to marginalize Trump supporters. You're seeing it in the in the media. You're seeing it in the news. You're seeing yes. it in social media. This is all a part of it. You if we're demonize. really if we're really going to marginalize these 75 million people that voted for Trump and really make it so that they can't uh, they can't rise up and and do anything like this again, we've got to put this guy away forever because we can't have of him leading a insurrection. Mm -hmm. um, that's what's happening right here. Let me just say this, that um, uh, in Article 3, this is now, uh, I'm sorry, Article 2, this is the president. Um, it says here that um, the trial of all crimes except in the cases of impeachment shall be by jury. I'm sorry. Um, let me see if I can find this. Um, treason. No person shall be convicted of treason. I let me just say this, that in Article 2, it states that um, who can be who can be impeached. And we know that officers of the uh, of the federal government can be impeached. So the president, um, people that are in the cabinet can be impeached. Even people in the legislature can be impeached. But it, it's making a stipulation that only people that are currently in office can be impeached in the Constitution. 
And the fact is, is that this, we know that the Senate does not get back from recess until the 19th. The 20th is the inauguration. Mm. There's no way they're going to have a trial in one day. And that's going to be the problem here. But I did hear that they can impeach even after he left office. So this is the big legal challenge that's happening right now. They're saying that it's never happened before. And the Constitution makes it very clear that you have to be in office in order to be impeached. So I, here, here it comes is do we do we believe what the Constitution says or do we believe what the media is saying? Well, that, there you go. Media's gotten pretty damn powerful. Well, and they're very and, manipulative. And they're saying things that are uh, anti-constitutional. For instance, when we took a look at what happened on, on January 6th, they're saying, wait a second, um, you know, Trump is saying all these crazy things like Mike Pence has, has, the, the, uh, uh, has the power to say this is not legit, uh, legitimate, these aren't legitimate votes. And everybody says that's that's subversive, he's, he's inciting, um, but that's not true. Uh, the Electoral College Act of 1878 completely stipulates everything that <laughs> President Trump was actually saying. And this is what I've been saying for a long time. If the news media, who is actually supposed to be protecting us, mm -hmm. was actually educating the public on what's in the constitution and what could possibly happen and all the ins and outs. I don't think what happened on Wednesday last week would have ever happened. We open up our vulnerabilities when we shut down information about how things are supposed to be and what's acceptable so that when the acceptable thing happens, everyone's outraged, emotions are high, and we have the chances for violence that can always happen. And so, so that's it. It's it, that's what's happening with impeachment. The other yeah. thing is the Twenty Fifth Amendment, which they tried to force Mike Pence into. I just want to address that very quickly. Sure. I won't read it, but if you look at the Twenty Fifth Amendment, what you're going to find, and look at the history of the Twenty Fifth Amendment, this was never meant to punish a president. Right. It was it Medical. was put in place for the president or the vice president becoming disabled. Um, and interestingly, a lot of the power for the 25th Amendment to, to replace the president and put the vice president in is in the vice president's hands. If the vice president doesn't want to do it, it's not going to happen. But if the vice president is for it, he, the, he or she can make that happen pretty quickly, which I think is foreshadowing for the Biden administration. Look how much power Kamala Harris is going to have if she Ooh. deems Joe Biden to be lacking in his mental capacity. Uh, oh, he's got Alzheimer's. Uh, they can easily replace him with the consent of Congress and they'll get it. Whoa. Oh, there's a thought to leave you with. Um, all right, we are going to wrap up and I want to leave you on a good note. Watch, I want you to see this dog rescue and Merle, can you see this? Oh, let me, let me take, yes. All right, so this is uh, in Pontefract, England. And this is a jogger that saw this dog drowning in the ice. It's gonna zoom oh in on gosh. this in a second. And uh, bystander Paula Town posted this footage and said, what a hero, this complete stranger rescued this family's dog when it got in trouble oh, out here at this park. Oh, that looks like Stella. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So sh- this is the reported by the Yorkshire Evening Post. So he had to battle his way through the ice. Oh could you admit, I hate cold water. I could, oh, well, oh. It could be deadly to jump in water like that as well. Yes, look at that. Look at this. So, oh. so cool. And so this guy's name is Darcy Pell. Grabs his jacket here in a second, continues on with his run. And what he says, he later replied. Superman. <laughs> he later replied to the Pontefract, Pontefract community page. I'm not a hero. Just saw a dog in need. Luckily, I swim in cold, icy water every day as a hobby. And I know the risks it can cause. So I carried on my run after. Uh, so he carried on with this after his run like it was no big deal. So he says he obviously doesn't recommend anyone else doing this uh, on their own. Boy, talk about to... being in the right place at the right there time. You go. There you go. Unbelievable, huh? So I thought that was a really touching story. That's cool. I love that story. Good one to part on. Yes. And uh, with that, guys, I know it was an action-packed episode, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. Stay curious, people. Listen to what other people have to say. Find your common ground. You might actually learn something. We don't know everything, you know? Share us on uh, YouTube. That's the only way we're going to get any traction. But if you really want to get all this along with the links to these stories that we share, the things that we reference, simply sign up at over50startingover.com to our email list. It'll pop up. will come up right there. Sign up to that. You'll get it dropped right in your email box as it happens. Merle, see you next week. I, I have one you, parting word. There you go. Do something nice this week for somebody that has a completely opposite political opinion wow. as you. Love and that. I'm telling you, if everybody does that, it will change the world. Awesome words to part by. Love you all. Bye.